from Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the Bone Cave. I'm Brian Maiman, founder of Rolling Bones. Uh, today we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, to my left, I have Bleep, just to make sure everybody knows who here is here today, okay? And uh, um, Bleep, you're kind of famous because we, we get it all the time. And the reason we call him Bleep is because Brad calls him Bleep because he's always bleeping out Brian Martin. That's right. And, uh, um, and, uh, and just so everybody understands this really well. And we have three Brians at the table. And we have three Brians at the table. Yep. Brian, Brian, and Brian. And, and only one of them is a real Brian. Brad. The other ones are Ryans that want to be a Brian. Right. And then Brad. We, so mostly, we mostly have Brian's. Uh, we have a couple Brandons. Uh, but it's let's B -B 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 -B. go Brandon, right? <laughs> let's go Brandon. <laughs> I, I, that, that is hilarious. <laughs> that, that, is, uh, that backfired on that reporter. Oh, my gosh. That it's was a meme yeah. now, huh? That was almost as bad as the guy that was doing the Zoom call on the corporate meeting. <laughs> From CNN. Yeah. But, but see, here's the thing. The, the more despicable you are, the longer CNN will keep you because of their bogus narrative. But anyway, hey, listen, we don't want to focus this. I'm getting, the, I'm getting the eye right now from Bleep. Yes. He's like, and oh, by the way. Come on, you guys. Keep I, on track. I, I want keep every, on task. I actually, before we get going too far, I want everybody to know that um, the boys in Iowa, um, you know, uh, Brian and Hootie are back on track now. Um, they've got they're it down. They're at 1X. To, they're at 1X, <laughs> not 2 or 1.5. How do you guys they, talk they, that fast? They've, they've figured it out. <laughs> and they just want to tell everybody that they appreciate the, the big shout out because Iowa stands for I Auto went around and they kept going around and round and round listening to podcasts. So hey, and speaking anyway. of Iowa, they sent they sent us a Rolling Bones jerseys, Team Iowa. Thanks, Team Iowa. Yeah, uh, yeah. So super nice. So could, that would qualify for Hunter Orange in Wyoming, wouldn't it? it? Uh, probably not. Maybe enough, but who knows? So anyway, but Iowa's doing great. We love Iowa. It's the biggest part of our advisory business. We have some of the best. We we support some of the best booking agents in the industry in Iowa. So anyway, big shout out to Iowa. We'll move on um, from there. Also, big shout out to all of you guys. Uh, oh, did I say Brad Dana's across uh, hashtag 393? I did get a question last time, you know, because we'll say hashtag 393 and somebody will listen that came later and just started listening. And what they don't, they don't know where some of this originated from. So 393 is the bull he shot in South Dakota that was the state record for about two and a half weeks. Um, here it was 393 inch typical, and um, but he passed it in the morning, and he didn't think it was big enough. Um, and but well, I thought maybe it would grow if I let it go for another half a day. What a what a <laughs> what a what a yeah! I got some derogatory words I could use, but anyway. And then we got Br Brian the Mountain Man Martin, um, and uh, so anyway, Asian Mountain Outfitters, Canadian Mountain Outfitters. And uh, is uh, um, the man, the myth, the legend here. But I want to, before we get started, I want to give a great big shout out, guys, to all of our listeners and thank them for sharing. And I want to implore you to continue to share because we get so much feedback. Uh, we've been on airplanes. Brad got somebody says recognized his voice a few weeks ago on an airplane and said, hey, man. Um, Jake I, Christensen. Uh, yes, there you go. Right. And so big shout out to him in Michigan. But we just had our biggest month ever in downloads. And I just want to tell you all, um, we appreciate you listening. You are what makes this fun, the feedback we get. We, and keep the emails coming. The next four podcasts are on long-range shooting, guided hunts, and managing the expectation of a guided hunt. Uh, Brian Martin's Wyoming uh, Bull is going to be another one. And then we're going to do one on one that we've had many, many requests on, and that's tipping outfitters, guides, and um, camp cooks, and how to appro appropriately tip and what to think of. So those are our next four, and we get all that stuff from you guys right now. It's so fun, the feedback that you give Kelly and Mary and Lindley in here. Um, it, uh, um, it sure helps us. So, um, so sincerely, hats off to you. Appreciate it. But today, we are going to talk about uh, lingerie shooting. I mean, long-range shooting. Um, they thought I said long. <laughs> Listen to this, guys. They thought I said lingerie shooting. But I was like, I'm, up, I'm think, open to the conversation, but, <laughs> but I'm not wearing it. But I think three of us did. I'm sure bleeped in it because his mind's never in the gutter. <laughs> 
Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what it sounded like. I'm like, lingerie shooting, man. Well, to tell me about it, let, uh, let's let's discuss it. Okay. So, anyway, we're going to talk about long-range shooting, its positive and negative effects, and how we see it. Now, having said that, I want everybody to know that we have a extended-range hunting course that we offer several times every sun, uh, every summer. But it is exactly that. It's a, a, a hunting course, a shoot, a hunting applied shooting course to get you to extend your range, not necessarily long range. Because we believe, before we get going down this road, I want to tell you from a company's perspective, we believe long range um, can mean many things. 200 yards might be long range in the same conditions that 400 yards is the next day in different conditions. And uh, um, it's not necessarily the distance of yards that make it's long range and I think that that's something that hopefully uh, people start understanding and as they're going into the fields and hunting and it's unique because um, th this conversation we're going to have today puts us in a real unique perspective so if you want to listen to this one over and over and over it'll be really good because you got Brian Martin who has been a guide and outfitter and been shooting long range for the last 15 to 20 years way before it was cool um, Brian was engaged in this game also you got Brad Dana who his entire hobby outside of his dentistry before he got engaged in, in running a business in the outdoor industry. Um, you got Brad Dana, who has been to over uh, 20 years of schools, over 15, over 15 schools over a 20-year period, and was more than an enthusiast. It was his entire presence. And then myself, um, the same thing over the last 18 years. Um, I've been going to long-range shooting schools and been a student of the wind and learning how to execute these, uh, these, uh, these shots. So it'll be real interesting. I think it'll be really good for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about, number one, what you guys believe the negative effects on um, that long-range shooting has had in the hunting world, okay? Because we're going to end on a positive note. But I think... I think there's been some negative effects and some very controversial uh, topics when you touch on this touch point. So, Brad Dana, what, what do you think the three biggest negative effects are that you've seen right now from the long-range hunting, the long-range shooting world as it has uh, been applied to um, the hunting industry? Well, I, I would say the biggest negative effect, first of all, what is long-range shooting, right? So, um, you know, there, there are some people that hate it, some people that love it. Um, you know, defining long range shooting. I mean, when you're at the, we, we're less than a mile from the rifle range and some for long range shooting, when we're sighting in at a hundred yards, a lot of the people there, I would say long range shooting is anything past 40 yards with the rifle. So I, I would say, um, the, the negative effects are buying a gun, buying a system and not practicing with it. And then just going out and, and trying to pop a shot. And a thousand yards is a buzzword. So, um, you know, I want to shoot at a thousand yards. Well, a thousand yards is a dead gone long. I mean, that's a long ways. It takes a good rangefinder to range an antelope at a thousand yards. Um, and 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 rangefinders have just come so far. It's actually changed everything because back when we started, it was all known distance. You know, you do silhouette shooting. You knew this was a two hundred yard chicken, three hundred yard, blah blah blah, right? <clears throat> And, and you just had to dial the dope. But uh, when you buy, when you, the, I would say the biggest negative effect that I would see is, okay, I bought a system from the, you know, this TV show that sells the system or whatever, however you find it. Um, and, and then you go out and you dial the scope and you shoot it and try to do your deal. But you haven't put, you haven't put forth the effort because you can buy the system but you can't buy experience, and uh, that that that's the big one negative. Can't that buy I see. trigger time. You can't buy trigger time. You can buy a, an accurate rifle. You can buy a rifle that's all set up. You can buy a rifle that the BC of the bullet and the velocity and the you know the all of the ballistic curve is programmed into the turret, or you know the uh, the range finding system that you're using. But they're still, you know, I, I find it fun. I mean, I mean, go out and have fun with this system. Go out and burn ammo. Um, so that's the, that's the biggest thing that I see. I mean, you can't, there's no way to overcome by buying a system. You can't, the, the system doesn't buying tell you the wind. Buying an expensive system doesn't make you a great shot. Right. 
Um, <laughs> the gun can shoot that, great. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, there's there's so many different variables. The wind, the angle, you know, cheek weld. I mean, there's all that stuff. And if you just – Trigger you, pull. Trigger pull. Um, it, quite frankly, if you never sit your head on this, how many of these expensive gun systems do we see that we tweak the setup a little bit to fit the guy when they come to our shooting program? Nirvana. It's like, whoa, that's so much better. I can see my scope is clear now. I can see a full circle. Um, you know, we, we, we modify a lot of cheek welds when, we, when they get here. And what we've noticed is well, these the expensive systems. The, the optics, the optics, everybody's got different vision, right? Yeah. So the optics are different. They need to be adjusted. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one. How about you, Brian? Let, 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 let's, yep. what, what's your thoughts? Well, like what Brad said with the system, to me, a gun is like a guy that gets a Ferrari or a Viper. It's a 200-mile-an-hour car, but only in their right hands. <laughs> right. So, like, a Viper is very hard to drive if you don't have the traction control and everything on it. It looks easy. Like, you get in the Viper, and let's say you're Richard Petty. You go around the track, no problem, right? The next guy goes in it, and he spins out on this corner. And then he skids off on this corner because he doesn't understand what the gun can do, doesn't understand what the rifle can do, I mean, what the car can do. What I see a lot in, in the shooting is a guy will come on a hunt. So he's got, he's got a Ferrari, <laughs> but he doesn't know how to drive the Ferrari. And so I've seen it where the guy will, he, let's say the gun's off, whatever, the airlines, you know, vibrate the gun off in, the, in, the, in, the, in his carrying case, or he doesn't have the right turret. And so now he doesn't actually understand how they built the turret. He only knows how to dial it to what his Kestrel or his SIG or his Leica says or what the turret is. And so something is wrong. Let's say he got the wrong ammunition. He doesn't know how to fix it. He doesn't even want to re-zero it. So I've seen hunters that are two inches off at 100 yards. Well, I don't want to touch it. Well, what happens at 600 yards? That's 12 inches off. Your hunter that I was just in camp with in doll sheep camp, four inches right, he didn't want to move it. Didn't, didn't know how to. Didn't know want to. Didn't yep. know how to. I've but seen he, that all the time. And I've, I said, listen, <laughs> we are not hunting. Give me your gun. We're going to readjust right. the scope. We're going to re-level it because it's too far back. It's too far forward, whatever. The cheek weld is wrong, like you said. I always carry uh, actually a cheek weld, like what we sell here and what yeah. we sell with our guns. Yep. The th you know, the three Velcro yep. straps. Yep. You know, I, I always carry one of those. I carry a level. That yep. way I can put, I carry yeah. a 30 and a 34 millimeter level. I can level the guy's gun. I carry all this stuff. So I might even take an extra trigger tech trigger, something that's easy to put in. I've seen all this stuff. I, I right. take a slip-on decelerator or limb saver butt pad. So if I get a gun that we have to borrow when somebody has it's a really long. short. Yes, or it's a steel butt pad on it. Let's say we borrow a gun in like Russia, which we did on, on Dave's hunt. Um, so I can get all that stuff set up. So guys, just really, there's not many guys that are shooters. So the downside about buying a system is you actually don't understand what the system's doing and how they created the system. You guys, I can give you guys a 6.5 or 2.80. You can know, if you know what the BC is and the velocity with the corner have, you guys can build your own turret tape. Um, if you have the system, you can write it on a piece of paper. You can do whatever. You can put it, you screenshot your phone. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles. As long as you have a rangefinder that gives you the roughly the, the straight line distance, you can do it. These guys are so reliant on technology. If their Kestrel quits, they don't even understand. Like one of the shooting schools that we do at my sister's um, ranch at Brandon Rock, that one instructor, he wants everybody to memorize their dope out to like 600 or 800 yards, which is not a bad idea. He said, what happens if this fails? That's pretty generic. I mean, yeah. a lot, the 300-yard dope for most of our hunting rifles is about the same, 400, yeah, exactly. 500, 600. I mean, even if you, if, even if you learn the hundreds, yeah. then you, you, you can work at our, intermediate. Our, at our level, too, we do do that some. We have a speed course, that we, we, and we show yep. them because we know ours – um, with an MOA reticle inside of there, we know ours out to 500 without even making an adjustment, right. right? Boom, 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 boom. And so I don't think that's bad either, but the problem is is most people don't take the time or, or understand the application of the system to what they're, they're applying yeah. it to, right? Yeah, and so what happens is guys come with a gun, they haven't even checked, they haven't cleaned the trigger, they've never taken the stock out of the gun, right? They've never uh, tightened the torque screws on their, on their assume, they assume everything is still tight from when they got it, you know, two years ago. And so you have a guy that shows up with a great gun that's not tuned, it's not clean properly. Um, it's amazing. Most people never don't have any chamber swabs and lug raceway cleaning tools. They don't have any of that stuff. And they don't even really understand how to clean a gun properly. So 
I, I mean, the fundamentally, people really need to invest more time in their tool. And it's just like a car. Like a race car driver needs at least to understand how to change the oil. It doesn't have to be a full mechanic, just like you don't have to be a full gunsmith. But if you can't do basic maintenance on your gun, you really are not should not be doing the long-range shooting because you need to know when something is not right. You need to test it and prove it when you go to the range. Don't, just because you hit the 100-yard target doesn't mean it's going to be stolen at 1,000 yards. So, so for me, if we're going to shoot at a Marco Polo at 650, we're going to shoot at the rocks at 650 and 700 so we know that when we shoot, it's not the gun. Because it could be a great shooter with a improperly zeroed gun, the wrong ballistics. I always shoot, if you're going to shoot 1,000 yards at an animal, which most people should never do, but let's say, Shoot past 1,000 yards on targets and verify. If you're going to shoot 300 yards in an animal, shoot 400 yards. Don't shoot 100 yards or 200 and then shoot 600 and hope everything is good. Unless you're super knowledgeable with your gun and you just don't have a place to do it. I always prove everything because never assume um, that the gun is tuned properly. Never in, And you know, shoot just even getting a rest. It's amazing how many people, they'll zero their gun like with a lead sled or something. And then they come here and their gun is off. It's not the same recoil management. You have to shoot the same way and understand what your gun does in different shooting positions with different rest. Well, it's interesting to me to listen to you both, and 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 you had the exact like so. Just so everybody listening knows, we don't rehearse these. Okay, these are not scripted. We didn't know it was longer uh, lingerie yeah, shooting you didn't until even know it was longer tonight. I thought we were doing something different. So what happens <laughs> is Bleep and I get these, and we go through them with the staff in the office the requests and the topics, and then we put them together and have a conversation, and then Brian and Brad come in. And so just so you know how we apply this to what, what we're delivering to you, but anyway, it's interesting to me to hear you both say it's, it's almost the same thing, is that the system itself, and, and it, it has became that way, which I totally get, because it, it, it is easy and it is simple, but it doesn't make it necessarily right for everybody, especially when you're going for hunting. And um, like the first school I did, it, they start at the very basic basics. So their thing was they wanted you to be able to go home, and if it was a 22 mag, a 223, or a 7 mm, or a 338, um, that you could go, they taught you the fundamentals of this, and you could go get every rifle you had in your cabinet and at least know how to shoot out to 500 yards. Does that make right. sense? Yep. What the come-ups were is yep. what they talked about. Yep. And uh, it's just interesting because I think that that is. So what? What? Uh, let's do this. What, what about the positives? Oh, my gosh. Well, there's a ton. First of all, um, what I have noticed, I would say one of the best things for me that I've noticed with myself and others is – Animals are so much more relaxed if you are 400 or 500 or 600 yards away. You can take your time and get your feces cohesive before, you know. I mean, this is not a big rush. Um, take your time. Mellow out. The animal doesn't know you're there. And you get to study the animal. You make sure you're making the right decision. You're not walking in close. Um, you're more calm. And the animal's more calm. And that, I would say, obviously, in addition to the fact that uh, I, I would say that the long, a properly trained long-range shooter is so much more effective. Because, first of all, this reminds me of archery. Um, I, I, I don't know. Brian, I, Brian's shot, Brian Martin's shot a lot of archery. Brian Maiman and I have shot tons and tons yeah. and hundreds I don't know if hundreds of thousands of arrows is fair but a, a crap ton of arrows right you put time into that archery guys shoot lots and lots and lots of arrows um it's not like you when you start getting a system put together that you go and you know that if I have if I can do my job my system can shoot out to 700 yards and this is a reliable system and a reliable this is this is going to happen well, you're more like more likely to spend more time getting to know your equipment, getting comfortable with your equipment, making sure everything's right. So that not that there's anything wrong with the old 30-06 because I still have one. Um, but the guy that shoots the 30-06 and has the same box of ammo from Hardware Hanks that's seven years old and, you know, go shoot the pop can. I think long-range shooting has got people shooting a lot more. And they get they get yes, better equipment. 100%. We talked about that today. It's almost like it's another sport for them. Yep. I, that's what it is to me. 
Yeah, um, it, it's and, an it's and another. I, did I not say that? Brad, Brad just goes out. I mean, this is uh, like an, an outdoor Brian, activity. Brian, do you see that rock? Think, I yeah. do see that rock, Brad. Yeah, let's shoot that. It. What let's it, shoot what it. do I always say? Let's shoot it. That rock is begging for a bullet, right? <laughs> I mean, right. Um, oh my gosh! And a lot of times we'll sit down. We'll sit down on our little knob. We have a little a little peak out there, and it's a thousand and sixty yards. I say, okay. Neither one of us tells each other the wind. We get one shot. Let's see if we can hit it. You know, I mean, it's just fun. And plus, we're shooting with suppressors now. Um, it, it's it's just it's a sport in in and of itself, in my opinion. So you practice more, you get more comfortable with your equipment. Um, you know, you learn what the animal. You get to watch the animal better instead of trying to. You know, you drop down, you lose sight of the animal, and hope you find him and you jump him. So that's the big positive to me. The biggest. How about you? The biggest positive of long-range shooting? Well, I think it gives you more, like you said, more trigger time. It'd be like if you only have an indoor range for archery and it, they only go to 20 or 30 yards, you're going to master that fairly quickly, shooting at 20 and 30 yards. It'd be like going to the range that only has a one or 200-yard bench. I mean, if you can't hit the bullseye most shots, but it, so it gives you false confidence. So when you remove that bench, when you move that rest, and you remove the, uh, the controlled wind, and now you start shooting across a canyon, it's like shooting a 3D course out to 100 yards with a bow. Now it's really hard. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, you thought you were a pretty good shot because you could do a Robin Hood at 20 yards. Well, most guys off a bench or a lead sled is going to be able to shoot an inch group with most guns if they get a decent load. But now go and try and shoot MOA at 600 yards and some wind. That's not very easy to do. So I had a scenario to speak to that today. Just today, we had a guy that just got a rifle last week, and, and, uh, um, and he went home and he shot it. And uh, he sent me a picture of the group, and I was like, whoa, uh, that's not good. And I said, well, um, how many – he had one of those targets with the rings all the way around it. And I go, so do we know – are those one-inch rings? Are those? And he goes, well, no, they get smaller as you go in. And I'm like, oh, boy. Okay, so we're in <laughs> trouble. I said – and he goes, and I forgot my ruler when I measured it. And I'm like, okay, we're in even more trouble. And then, he, and then he's like um, – I'm, I'm like, okay, so then – well, then let's say that's a two-inch group – I said, so that's not good. Do you have a bipod on your gun? No, I don't have a bipod yet. I just have my uh, bags. I said, do you have a uh, – and this is not a, a uber-experienced shooter, right? And then I go, do you have a, a backrest? No, I'm using my binoculars. I said, oh, okay. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning this in my mind, right? And by the way, he's getting ready to go on a hunt. And he's, and he's got a long-range system, ours, in his hands. And here's a guy who's not prepared, like you said – and so I'm like, okay, you need to go get a bipod. You need to go get a backrest. You need to get because when you you you, you can't even know what this rifle's doing. So then then I get to then he shoots. I said, so come up, you know, whatever, so many minutes and how many clicks I told him, and come left and and then shoot and send me the group. So then he then he does it again, and the group's way over here, and it's just, just as big. And I'm like, what is going on? And I go, are you? And it just hit me. I go. Are you shooting this at 100 yards or are you doing this at a 200 yards? And he goes, 200 yards. So now you got a guy 200 yards not off of a, a bipod. He's got a shitty little uh, bag for a thing. He's got binoculars for a rear sight. But that's the thing. I said, whoa. But you know what he's doing? He's putting effort into he it. He is. And he was He's learning why it doesn't work. And he's learning. Yep. That's, that's exactly where I was going. He's learning why it doesn't work, Brian. And what you just said is exactly right. But, you, but back to the long range, what is it good for? I mean, there's a lot of times when you can either make a 400 or 600 yard shot, or you can make 50 or 100 yard shot. So let's take a bighorn sheep that has a little gap in the timber. So you can shoot across the valley and shoot him and not spook him, and you know that he's legal, you know he's full curl, whatever. Let's say you get in there at 100 yards because you can't shoot 400, and now the, the bighorns switch positions, and yeah, it's a close shot, but now they're running and you shoot the wrong ram because you didn't have time to talk about it. So putting a hunter who's not very experienced in a situation like that actually probably causes more wounded animals. It's that medium, I call it the medium long-range shooting is probably where I like to shoot, say, two to 400 yards. On Asian animals, probably 300 to 500 because they got really good vision. Um, so if you got a gun, they don't have too much wind. I'd rather take a rested. I mean, your heart rate's cool and calm. You got that good rest, and you can shoot properly. And that's what long range. And also bullets. A lot of these new bullets that people want, they want high BC bullets. They perform better at medium and long range. You can't take a long range gun. And this is you were asking some of the criticisms. Take a long range gun that's like a Ferrari, in my opinion, 
right, and try and shoot through trees and bush at 50 yards at a black bear, <laughs> I <talk to> you. <laughs> right, and then have that, say, have that burger bullet, which is an incredible long-range bullet, and have it perform at 50 yards like a swift, a swift A-frame or barns when you're hitting twigs and sticks. It's just not going to. And we talked about that. It's not that designed today. for we, that. We, we talked about it. It's, so, it's like everybody thinks one bullet's the end-all, cure-all, but different velocity bullet bullet changes performance downrange based on its bcs uh, 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 the swift a frame is really good out to 200 yards but and at 600 you can do it but you better have a lot of dial dope on your gun and understand wind drift <laughs> because it's going to drift right because it's going to float around like a yeah exactly so what, what were we shooting in yours out way the heck out there so the other day just a couple of days before i left for canada um i took my 375 That's out right. And, you know, we, we zeroed it 100, put a new scope on it. It was the Huskamaw 1 to 6. And I pulled out my little calculator, and it was like 18.5 MOA bullet drop with a 200-yard zero at 680 yards. Yeah, so we <laughs> first shot hit, first round hit uh, off the shooter. So, and, so, there, so, so there's the positives. One to six. There's the positives. If someone applies themselves to understanding it, knowing it, a huge positive is you can take any gun out of your cabinet well, and make it, well, not any gun, but within reason, a five to 600-yard gun. That, that, well, that, that, that a BC on that bullet is like 340 or 350 <laughs> instead of 650. We, we had uh, Mason was shooting because we took him out. He shot the six Creedmoor. And he shot the six Creedmoor. And I will tell you at 680, well, first of all, Mason – First round hit at 680, and he hasn't spent a lot of time uh, behind the gun. But the 375 with your well, what were we shooting? 270 grain barn. So you remember you it said there's a little, have a little bit more authority than the six. Yeah, but he, seven. Brad was saying he said hold on the left side of the target because the bullets were hitting, and the wind was kind of dying down. So I held a couple inches into the target off the left into into the edge, but close to the edge, and it hit there. And he said, well, just hold dead center because it held. So we put two in there, what, maybe three inches apart? Yeah. Three or four. Wow. At With a 0.3 what BC? 0.3 BC bullet at 680. So BC stands for ballistic coefficiency. And the higher the number, the, the, the more efficient it is. So, 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 so give an example like so a seven. So yeah, example. Yes. You take a 28 nozzler, for example, which yes. a lot of people like shooting, or yep. a 300 PRC. Yep. It's going to have... At that range, it's going to have 18 to 19 MOA, maximum 20 MOA, a bullet drop at 1,000. My 375 had 18.25 or 18.5 MOA bullet drop at, six, okay, at 680. So, so let's just do this for our listeners. Okay, you had 20 MOA and a 300 PRC approximately, and the BC on that bullet would be? Oh, that one's probably pushing 7 a G1 BC. Right, so 0.7. 6, 8, 5, 0. 0.7. So my right? gun's 2,700 feet a second. And yours, and your, that's 3? Half. Half, so 0. 0.35, let's just say. So, so seven. So I've been three, shooting five. a bullet that's a five BC. I've been telling you, and it's a lot harder because I'm I'm so used to the six to seven point six to point seven BC, just dropping down to point five. Well, your brain's not programmed for that windage. It, it's just tricky. Okay, it's but, so much harder. But let's go back here real quick because I want everybody to hear this. BC ballistic coefficient 0.685, 20 MOA at how many yards approximately? So, did you say? So my my gun at at. At a thousand yards, it'd be probably between 27 and 30 MOA to correct for the same, like a 28 nozzle, would be 17 or 18 MOA. So, so there you go. So, but, so just think of that. But a 28 nozzle without turrets, yeah, and, and without lines in it, I will outshoot them any day at six, seven hundred yards with my 375 over a 28 nozzle because you're guessing. So all these super flat shooting guns, that's why they had the 3378 with the 168s and 180s and your 7 millimeter with a 150. They were trying to shoot 3300, 3500 feet a second and minimize their guess. So just like with, with 3D shooting, guys would shoot ultra light yep. arrows with 100 grain broadheads and then but they yep. don't have the killing ability at long range. Right. So or, well, back the days in the day, of overdrive, back in the day with bolts like that so now if you have there's muzzleloaders that can shoot a thousand yard non-animals but on targets because you know you know exactly what the moa of bullet drop is based on the vc and the velocity and that's basically what the 375 proved you can shoot a thousand you could shoot 600 yards with a 375 if you know the dope the biggest thing the biggest variable the dope so it doesn't matter if it's 18 dope stands for what data obtained on previous engagements yeah. thank you okay so so let's say you take the 375 and the math doesn't lie on the vertical aspect. So really, I can shoot, and it, let's say they're both one MOA guns. So I can, in theory, shoot the same group size with my .35 BC as a guy can with a 
The problem is, is wind drift. So now the 375, the more the wind is, exponentially it gets worse wind drift. So the 375 extreme range, I can know up and down where to hold, but I don't necessarily know where to hold on the wind. Where the 7 mag, the 6.5 PRC, these guns are going to shoot way, way less wind drift. And that and so is you, a, the human error. So what you're doing is you're removing human error with a higher BC. Yeah, the <laughs> elevation, we always tell people right. the elevation is just a number. Right. Plug and chug, I call which, it. Which is primarily the gun builders that are in the marketplace today that are building reputable long-range um, systems are using rifles with better BCs to, to help the scenario. And there's still and a few few old system yep, people out there that are absolutely. running the 3378 or whatever yeah. and running a 165-grain bullet or all that goofy crap. You know, and, yeah. and so I would say, from my perspective, to get back to the positives a little bit, because I'm hearing a lot of this, the positives for me are that it's brought a lot of science to the hunting world and the yeah. game, and and to listen to guys like you that are enthusiasts of this, and I, and I love it too. You were going to say something on the bows, Brad, and I'd like to get back to in the days of, I mentioned the bolts. Um, well, just But, you, but you let know, me finish this thought yeah. real quick. Um, so m my perspective is that the positives are that science came to the hunting world and the positive is when somebody gets it like there's nothing more satisfying for me than when we have a shooting academy here a, a hunting academy and the light goes on and they go i get it yeah. i get it i see what's going on and they they get engaged and pretty soon they're like oh okay so let me download that app okay if i did this with this oh this bullet for my 223 oh this for my 22 250 and they get excited about it and i like that yeah. but anyway so that, that go ahead Brad no i i was just going to say uh, it, this reminds me of the evolution of archery. You know, lots of people, <laughs> you, you know, when you're a young buck with a bow, you spend tons and tons and tons of time. When I started out, you know, um, I started out with uh, silhouettes. You had a 200-yard target, 300-yard target, four and five. Or it's actually meters back in the, uh, is what we shot. But it was known distance because you just had to dial the dope because we didn't have good enough rangefinders. But I, I got right when the 300 rum came out, I was pushing a 165 grain bullet as fast as I can, just like Brian was saying, because it eliminated that ranging, uh, that ranging error that because you didn't have a great rangefinder. But uh, our buddy Tracy bought a 3375 from that company, and remember he went up and he talked to our buddy John Burns, and he told him he was so proud of his 3375, and he was like. Yeah, I got this, and he goes, "Just throw that piece, just throw that piece of crap away." He goes, "That's that's the <laughs> that's the exact wrong way to do it," and and Tracy's like, "I was so deflated, you know, but but you know, but you he know was what? right. He told me the right advice. He's just terse. John's John's a little terse in his advice giving. You know? Well, I think what John is, is John just away. seen so many thousands right. of people that that he gets to the point faster than most. Right, <laughs> and uh, um, and and I, I you know, because because John's a very honest man and and carries himself with a lot of knowledge and authority. Yep. Um, I will tell you this with bows, it was the exact same way yep. with archery. You got your overdraw, and the reason being is you said it earlier in the podcast. Range finders had changed the world. Yep. We didn't have range finders in, in 1991, in 1989, in 1993. And if you did, it was expensive. Well, and, and you started, remember, did you have one of those with the mirrors in it? Yeah. You had a 20-yard string and you would calibrate yeah. it and they would come it was into... A focal, it was like a focus range finder. I didn't. You know what I did? I, I, threw, I still had that one I, I threw softballs all over my yard and then I would just go guess and then I would pace so I could program um, the yardage. Yeah. Um, because back then... Then, and you couldn't have a rangefinder on an archery course when I was shooting tournament archery. Right. They they were illegal. I mean, not illegal, but they it, you, they would disqualify it, it, you. From it wasn't winning. the way you did it. No, well, you you well, had to judge yardage. Rangefinders have taken archery and rifle hunting from about a forty or I always say it's a ten to one ratio. A precision long range rifle will do about ten times more distance with the same amount of accuracy with a similar as a bow. So I used to be able to shoot really well to say forty yards guessing. Right, and that's about four hundred. So after four hundred, it was a is a, a gong show. And if you try to shoot fifty and sixty yards without a rangefinder with a bow, yeah, it's a gong a show. No, bad. They're both bad. So thirty, forty, which would be 300, 400 with these big thirty three seventy eights and stuff. You do a three hundred yard zero at four hundred yards, it was eight inches low. Same thing with a bow. You could put it on thirty yards and feather up or feather down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and if you were this far off with, 50, a, with a bow that had speed, you were still fine. It, you were well, in the game. And perfect even out to example. fifty, yep. a perfect example. 
Dr. Palmer, I remember we'd always go elk hunting every year, and, and it always inevitably the shots were four to, to 500 yards. I mean, that was, that was your easy range, you know. Okay. And I remember one time Scott was leaning, and he had his gun on the tree, and uh, Justin goes, 472. <laughs> and Scott goes, ah. And he goes, every year there are always 400 and some yard shots. Every year. Well, that was hard back then because everything wasn't turreted and dialed and you didn't have – And I saw his thing on YouTube or on Instagram the other day at 9-something with a 20-mile-an-hour win, and he smoked it. Smoked it. Yeah, good he job, Scott. System, right? Good he, job, He shot the Scott. animal or shot the target? No, no he, he shot was the out, stone. He was out practicing. Well, he shot the stone. Uh, started showing at a, eight, 890 or something. That was the only shot, shot he, he had, had after – Knocking himself out. But did you out. see his Instagram? No, A no. big shout out to you, Scott Palmer, because he was just out I, last week. Oh, was he? He was out last week practicing, and he put a thing on Instagram, and oh. it was a hell of a shot. I think it was like 920 with an 18 or 22-mile-an-hour crosswind. Well, that's not – that. I mean, dude, that is a tough-ass perfect, shot, and he was perfect, knocking it out. Perfect example. That's like 8 away at Windrift. Yes, he was just working it, and he's I was got, like, good for you, He's buddy. got gongs out, and he's out there working with his equipment. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. getting more and more practice skill and knowledge. And he's a shooting son of yep. a sucker. Um, uh, we shot, you know, when he was out here, yep. it, it was fun to shoot with him. I, I, it, um, yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, number three. What's yours? Um, my positive? Yeah. Uh, my, I, I would say the technology that's been brought to the industry. Um, I, I would say the fact that I think it puts a lot more trophies on people's um, wall. There's a lot of guys that it, that 60% of the time the conditions are um, – are not uh, as terse um, as they could be, and so there's more room for error. And when they use their system, they go, "Wow, I saw a result from it." Mm-hmm. And the results from these systems, I think, is a real positive in the industry because more trophies are sitting on the wall than they were before. Does yep. that make sense? Yep. That would say my positive. Now, there's a negative side of that too, but that's my positive. So here's the question: In getting better and growing a new skill set, okay, there's always a learning curve. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for for me, but our listeners will. Um, and I was thinking about this this morning. What's your in growing your skill set? Okay, what's been your biggest learning curve with uh, long range shooting? And then how is that? Once you've learned it, how did you? Uh, what has that tool provided for you personally as a hunter? Well. As you know, when I get locked in, I kind of get that tunnel vision. Once I decide this game is on, the game is on. I would say moving animals, um, overconfidence is probably one of my my things. Um, I have, I need more practice at a couple of things. A couple of things that are on my list to work on is movers, um, because it's not not uncommon for me to get dialed in and a. 450 500 yard shot um i'll get locked in and i don't give it the appropriate lead that i should um and i would say that's something i want to get better at and the other thing i would say is uh, applying pressure um back when i used to shoot tournaments i was a better shooter uh, because i you'd applied pressure to the situation more and like uh this year in my sheep hunt um, I applied pressure in the form of um, uh, we had trouble getting on the same page and between fatigue, um, et cetera, and time, you know, as you squeeze the time, it's good to apply pressure to your training, I think. And, and so those are things that I personally want to work on in the next year, applying pressure to myself on the shots and movers. I like it. How about you, Brian? What's been your biggest learning curve, and what would you say that tool has uh, done for you in hunting? Well, the biggest lear- learning curve is trigger time, and I've had a couple of hunts where I w- got to go coal hunting, management hunting, whatever you want to say, in New Zealand, Australia, and twice in Africa. Um, so I have where hunts where I've done in excess of 30 animals or more over the course of some days, sometimes as many as 100 or 130. And so that kind of stuff, and a lot of it was medium to long range shooting, um, things like that, where you know where you're under pressure, like Brad said, where little things like knowing that your scope's on the right power. If you're shooting a second focal plane scope and shooting lines either for hold or bullet drop, um, being able to do that really quick follow up shot, 
which is a huge issue that I see with hunters is they don't have a good rest for a follow-up shot or they have too much recoil or they don't have their scope on too high a power. And then so as a guide outfitter plus a hunter, I see all the mistakes that hunters have made. So over a DIY hunter who maybe only hunts with himself, doesn't have the pressure of trying to take somebody with less experience out. So I see all this kind of stuff. And so for me, I'd say shooting is not never really cost me a lot of animals. Um, it's made a couple. So I've had a few screw-ups where you, you don't hit them until the second, third shots or a fourth shot. But generally, because I've had all the mistakes I've seen from paying clients and friends, but more than anything than clients, uh, that saved me a lot of mistakes myself because uh, I, I see the mistakes that other people make. And so I can kind of live vicariously. <laughs> and, and, but, but it's still it's suffering for me because now as a guide, we got to go out and get on another animal or we have a wounded animal we got to follow up. So for me, having the experience of doing the guiding plus personal stuff has made my personal shooting and hunting much better. But I mean, even myself, you know, you have to think, okay, is that the straight line distance or correct? You have to, little things, and the farther you shoot, the more it becomes super you have to be super perfect yeah. the closer it is the closer it is for example let's take a muzzle break you know the re the main re really there's two reasons for muzzle break one is recoil management and the other one is so you, uh, recoil management again so you don't have pain and scope magnum eye and so you can stay on target but if you're shooting brown bear at close range uh, on the coast let's say you're shooting an elephant you're shooting a cape buffalo recoil management is really not that important because you're not going to miss the animal because the gun was off you're going to miss the animal because the animal was running you hit a tree or you screwed up so you don't need uh, a half minute gun for that kind of shooting and it doesn't matter if you get kicked off you don't want the muzzle break because your poor ph is going to get blasted you're going to get blasted and you're shooting generally from a sitting or standing position so a totally different ball game so i see long-range shooters they don't understand shooting at moving animals right so unless you grew up on a farm like i did or s s tracking elk in the snow you don't understand what it's like to shoot animals at 20 and 30 yards and that's why i love people say oh I i'll hunt africa when you're 60 no actually go hunt africa now you'll get more trigger time in africa on one hunt than you will in five years of sheep hunting. And so trigger time is important because also there's times when you get up on a sheep and the sheep's wounded and it takes off running and you got to shoot at it running to, to finish it. So for me, because I, I've had several animals, had I not had the experience with my clients, I would have lost them and, and, and not got them. But I, 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 I assume nothing. And that's when we talk about the elk hunt. Again, a good example of if... I, I, 20 years ago, I probably could have lost that elk or who knows. Now it's just second nature. You don't even think about it. How far was the elk? Uh, 935. 935. But smoked him. Yeah, but I had to do a finisher at 50 yards. He never moved, and I figured he was still alive because I should have seen him roll. He was behind two or three trees, and there was a couple around him. So had he came out 10 yards, I would have seen him. Had he fallen down and rolled, I would have seen a horn. So I knew my gut feeling was he either died leaning against a tree or he was still alive, and I assumed he was still alive. So as I came up the hill, I skirted around so he couldn't win me, and then shot him, put a finisher in him at, at 40 or 50 yards. Now, he was very hurt, because when I hit him, he didn't even move. He didn't jump or run. He started staggering within five seconds and hit the ground within 10. But had I came up cocky, arrogant, thinking I had a perfect shot, because I didn't know, right? He just came out of the trees when I hit him, and they went that's back experience. in. That's experience. Yes, that, that is that, experience. That's experience. So that's, we, we could, that's I, I could have chased him. That's wisdom being shared here today. I could have really been, he could have stood there and let me get 20 yards. He could have ran over the hill 30 yards and fallen down the cliffs, and we wouldn't be able to get to him with the horses. You so, know what guiding does? It kills arrogance in the field, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> never. One thing I've learned, never assume anything. Never assume the animal's dead. And we were talking about one of the biggest problems I saw with the long-range shooting, and especially the guys want to do an impressor shot, so they do the high-shoulder shot, right? Well, the high-shoulder shot doesn't give you any room. If the animal's facing to the left, it doesn't give you any error up, and it doesn't give you much error to the left. So if the animal's head is down or up and you miss, you'll hit a non-vital. If you hit high, you'll hit a non-vital. I always shoot for the biggest center of mass, and then... The longer the range, the, unless it's a Marco Polo or Ibex, I can almost always get a follow-up shot in it. So I think, okay, let me get one in the kill zone. And then if I want to show off, then I'll double shoulder him after he's got one in the lungs or the liver. But trying to go for that, that high shoulder shot, you don't have that kill zone. If I shoot de dead center lungs or favor right or left into the lungs, if I'm a little bit off, I got a little bit... Um, you have a margin of error. I have a margin for error that will still kill the animal. And it gives me a better chance at a follow-up shot. 
So that's why I don't like shooting with the high shoulder and stuff to me. And I know a lot of guys and outfitters who actually will not let hunters now because of that kind of stuff shoot long range. I know a guy, he said, give me your range finder. We're not shooting over 250 yards, period. Now, that's not necessarily right either because it is the hunter's hunt and you have to judge. But that I guarantee that guy at Outfitters never been a long range shooter. He's probably never shot animals over 300. So because he doesn't understand it, he doesn't really, you know, he can't help. But that's not right either because the hunter, let's say the hunter is a super skilled guy. And I say, oh, you want to shoot 500? Let's go to the range and shoot a 500. If the guy can shoot a five-inch group at 500 off his pack or off the bipod, heck, we'll do the same Let's thing go. in the game. Yeah. yeah. But if the guy's a train wreck at 500, I said, well, we probably shouldn't be shooting at 500. So, but, so that's a little bit arrogance on the outfitter's part to old school, right? So it's a fine line between old school and, and, and new technology. You can't, this is like a map and compass. Some guys don't even know how to read a map or a compass anymore. They only, if their GPS quits them, they're done. <laughs> and that's what a rangefinder's like. That's good perspective. So one of the things we should talk about in a future podcast is exactly that. Old school versus new school. And um, because that's really, really good perspective from a guide's, from a guide's uh, point of view. Um, because it's not right to just say 250 and that's it. But you inspect what you expect before you take them up the mountain. Yeah. That, that, that's no arrogance too. So now you're not being arrogant as a guide saying, this is my way or the highway. Let's see what you can do well, is what I'm hearing from well, you, so right? I, I always laugh when a guide says, well, I'm not going to let the hunter shoot over 500 yards. Okay. How would you like? I'm not going to tip you then. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, just because you can't shoot 400 I'm not yards. tipping you over $400 then. <laughs> no, I said, listen, you have to judge the hunter, and it his, it's his hunt at the end of the day. If a guy can shoot 400 yards, and I, but I t tell the guy, okay, you want to shoot a brown bear at 400 yards? If you wound it, <laughs> you're, you're going, going in. in first. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can kill it, there's a time if it's out in the open 200 yards for the nearest bush, that's different than if it's three feet from stepping into the bush. you got to know when to shoot long, <laughs> but there's not like one hard rule fast. And that's only because guys have had one or two bad experiences, but they don't understand. It's like somebody who wrecked a car and never drives over 80 miles an hour again. No, why did you wreck? It was black ice. And you were going 70 miles an hour, and it could have happened to anybody, right? You now, had if you've cruise had control on, <laughs> right? And you had but the now, cruise but on, now right? if you've had five wrecks going 60 miles an hour and drive pavement, probably don't drive 80 a <laughs> mile. So it's all relative, <laughs> right? No, that's right? good. That that's very because people very put. Good the, I always laugh at that. Okay, or you're you gonna say, believe. Well, you've got to be honest too. Yeah, you got to be honest. Right, you got to be honest with the hunter, and the hunter has to be honest with himself. I, I would say that that's that's really a ne if we jump back up to negatives is a lot of times the hunter buys a rifle and he goes out and he does shoot at perfect wind conditions, and he goes down and he sits down and he zeroes it out at 700 yards. He hears the steel, and he goes, "I'm Superman. I can kill anything anywhere, anytime now." But he's never applied this gun to any elements other than that, and he's not honest with himself because he has a false sense of security. You know, fear is false evidence appearing real, and he has no fear. So he goes out there and boom, 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 and then he wounds an animal. Then the outfitter's pissed off. The outfitter's mad. I'm never letting another guy do this. And like you said, it, it, it's it, well. well I the thing think, is, the more I think these long, you know, long range shooting, if done properly, and people that put time in it, it's actually so nice for the outfitters because oh. I mean, it's just a game changer. You know, I mean, uh, we've had brown bear outfitters that have never shot anything past 200 yards, and by the time. You know, they got comfortable with it. This is, this is nice. Well, the they, thing they is, they did qualify it with they were had first rate equipment and they were highly educated in this because brown bear are different. You, you, yeah. But you're right, it is. Well, well, the thing is, brown bear can kill you. Also, where a stone <laughs> sheep is not going to kill you. Yeah. I mean, it might kill you getting to it, but the animal itself won't. <laughs> but but the thing is, you have to keep in mind too is like just because a guy can shoot well at targets, I, I know guys that are great 3D shooters in archery but they would royally choke yes. under pressure. And same with the rifle hunters. There's guys that are great shooters on the target, but now they get buck fever. All well, thoughts they get, go They up. get a furry animal in their, in their scope, and they just like... Well, they, they don't realize what scope power they're on. They forgot to turn it down from 16 or 18 power to 3 power, and so all this stuff. So there's a, as a guide, you actually check in their thing and never assume that they know what they're doing 100%. And it's not like you, you can do it in a way that's not condescending. Hey, you got your scope on 3 power. You got Make sure it's unloaded, right? How many, how many bullets you got in your gun? Uh, where's your extra bullets? Never assume the guy f remembers his bullets. I can't tell you how many times, oh, yeah, I thought the hunter had his bullets. No, ask, because so many hunters will go up the mountain, and they forget their bullets in their case, and they got three bullets, and then they shoot three. Well, give me some more bullets. Well, I don't have any, right? So a lot of guides now will say, give me three bullets. I'm going to pack three in my pocket, so I know I got three more, so we got two <laughs> rounds. So, I mean, if I'm going on a, like, could be an oh, shit show, 
I'll, I'll lay out my whole bullets right there. And just in case, I said, this animal's going to go down, and if something, ha- let's say my gun was off or I hit him in a bad wind, I'm not digging for my next three bullets. Right, They're no. all there. That, that's why I like those pouches we have because we can zip them, and they're right there. You just throw, throw them in and feed them. So, so last question, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. I think we've delivered a, a tremendous amount of content today. Um, but last question uh, that we talked about in the beginning, um, uh, the, best, the best result you've had from long-range shooting. What's your, what's your, oh, what's your best story – long range shooting did for you oh that's tough you know probably the hardest shot i've made is 206 yards at a running deer in nebraska and that's not very long range but it was because of all the practice so i don't know i mean uh man that's a tough question um you know obviously i I don't know i I would just say conf conf confidence in your equipment in yourself um you know, I mean, so you'd say you'd say that I I got one I for you, but I but I don't uh, um, I don't know. What do you th- what, what do you think? You mean the, the Russia? Um, that would, mine would be I would have a couple. Um, for you, from me watching, I would say that that, that bull, um, you know, uh, it was only five hundred yards. Yeah, that wasn't four ninety. Yeah, that wasn't. But, that but, was a pretty slam dunk shot. That I was, understand yeah. that, but it was still a high pressure, high clutch situation, and uh, I, I thought it was really good. You know, um, you riveted that thing, and the reason I say that was is because one, you didn't shoot it five more times because that's very no. But I was experimenting. <laughs> I, I was experimenting with the bullet because I wanted to shoot it bad. That's why it's embedded shot. my. <laughs> mind but i would say seriously um your shot straight downhill at uh 400 and some yards at those mountain goats because, mountain goats, yeah. because we didn't have when you're straight downhill like that at that far you don't and the shoot two was four something if i remember right or 390 but you don't have very much we we you know, cut a, we, the, we had a, a, a large amount on our cut chart from yeah the, the largest range. we've yeah. ever had the yep. largest we've ever it was had. a was 37 degree angle um yep. that was hard because even even getting a good rest yeah i mean we were really jacked up on so that shot. So I thought that I thought I thought And we were doing a double. And, yeah. and, and well, we that double. was one of your best shots too because you took so long to shoot. Oh your God. partner had to We won't even we won't even bring that up <laughs> on this podcast. But I took too long to shoot because mine was running around down there because somebody kept shooting his over and I, over and over. I was surprised. So. In my mind, I thought I gave you more time Until between Bleep my first showed you and the video. Yes. Until Bleep showed you the video. And then you went, oh, Brian's not I, hyperbolizing. I, I thought I so, did anyway. give you more of an opportunity, but <laughs> no. that my follow-up shot Brian? was fast. <laughs> that would be – and it won't be the biggest animal I shot, but it was, um, it was actually only about a year ago now that I was out hunting for sheep. And didn't find any big legal rams. Found a legal ram. Found some good caribou. Found a bunch of goats. But I, I don't. I'm one of those people now. As if I don't find something I really want to shoot, there's no reason to shoot it. Right. So, but I'm sitting there, coming down this steep ass mountain, in this bush. I was trying to find an old horse trail, and I and I and I looked across and I saw a movement. I go, that's either a sheep or a wolf where it's at. And I looked at this black wolf, white wolf, and it was oh. like 900 to 8,000 yards, and I had no shot. And my rangefinder quit that night before. So I had no wow. rangefinder because I didn't pack a backup rangefinder because I didn't think it would go bad. But that's a good example why you pack a backup rangefinder. So I started you know, fidgeting down the mountain. I finally found one opening, broke a few trees, took out my tri- – I, I didn't have shooting sticks. I just had my bipod because now I'm shooting – I'm sitting on a four, literally a 45-degree slope shooting across but by now the animals went into the timber and they never came back out so i said well who knows where they are so i started howling and howling the animals are cross past me and they are probably 1500 yards up the valley well i called them back so now i don't have a range finder and so what i do i, I turn my first took the turret cap off put it on 300 yards so i know from 250 to 350 if he comes out there it's somewhere in that range i don't know for sure but that'll be about where it's at so i finally called them out the biggest one sat down on his ass and was looking up at me. So I just put it square in his chest, nailed him. The other one, everything else ran. I only saw two at that point, but I know there was at least three or four. So one of them came back, and I was waiting for a better shot because he was in the bush, and he was trying to get the other one was actually still alive, but I didn't know it was still alive. Uh, but he was trying to get it up, and, but it wouldn't get up. So I didn't have a shot aim then at about 500 yards, and this all this it's all this lichen, so you don't see where your bullet hits. I said, well, I think it's 500, but I don't know if it's 400 or 600. So I dialed it to 500, shoot, 
nothing. The wolf jumped. I knew I was close, but now he goes out. So I'm, this, this is taken now at this point. I've been there for 45 minutes to an hour trying to help. Now so the now, engineer's trying to figure out yeah, what I so now What's my dope? <laughs> so now he goes way out there, and I don't see him again until he is more than 700 and less than 900, and I don't know. So, And if I shoot into the grass again and, and the lichen, I won't see where I hit. So I waited until he got way out there, and I said, I know he's not over 900, but I know he's over 700. So I put it on 900 So because I waited until there was shale above him. And so put it on 900, and I shot, and I hit I don't know how many feet above him. Okay, now I know. So that's why if you know your ballistics, because my phone battery was almost dead too. I mean, we're talking, I everything was pretty well dead. So I didn't have my ballistic program. I just had my little custom turret thing there. So I put it back. I, I instantly dialed it to 800 and held. He sat down, and I put the, the 800 yard and his elbow joints Boom. I mean, it hit, I mean, it, it center punch. It killed him better than the other one. So had I not had all those years of shooting experience, so I basically had a Kentucky windage, a 750-yard shot. But I know the gun well. It was a 7 mag, and I know what it can do. And I had to guess, you know, and had I just kept shooting at it, I would have kept missing. Um, and, and that was probably, yeah, that was probably one of the hardest shots I've ever made. No range finder, of a little bit of, not, and luckily almost no wind. So I only had to feather just right or left a hair. Did you uh, shoot your big bull with your seven this year? I did. Mm -hmm. So I would have to say for me, and 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 uh, there would be two. One would be the snow sheep in Russia at eight hundred. Um, heat, <laughs> heat, um, uh, a long shot, um, heat. Uh, that was that was extremely exciting. I physically was not prepared for that hunt. Um, I it was way more extreme than I thought it was going to be. So to be able to harvest that ram and, and on the other side of the canyon was uh, uh, definitely, um, for me, fun. Then the other one I would say, um, and I know this sounds crazy, but it was a coyote off the back of a flatbed pickup. We were in <laughs> New, Mexico. Uh, New Mexico on an elk hunt, <laughs> and we were going to go out and shoot our rifles to make sure they were okay. And I had just gotten back from Alaska um, shooting a caribou off a tree at 475, um, but well, uh, that was like 680 or something. Uh, wasn't was it? it? I, I, yeah, I uh, don't even remember all these. But I remember the coyote, what the guide said. The coyote was 720. I remember oh. that. And we ranged it, and we had to get two or three ranges. And uh, Trampus was on the the camera, and he said, "Just crawl up in the back of the truck, Brian, and shoot it." And my back was so out. I threw my back out because I just I've been gone for like a month and a half. And I just got back from Newfoundland. I could even hardly even breathe. I remember laying on that thing, dry firing, going. I don't even think I can keep this steady, but I had my rifle, and you said something that I want everybody to really resonate. Know your rifle. You said that at the beginning. Shoot your thing. Know your rifle. I have three rifles. They all set up exactly the same, three different calibers, but they look exactly the same, yep. right? They're all set up the same. So anyway, I laid down, and uh, Brad's like, give me a minute of wind, um, left wind. I remember it distinctly. There was a left to right wind coming out, and I give him a minute of left wind. Brad said, I'm on him in the spotting scope. Send it. And literally, it was like 1,001. Wham! <laughs> I watched the paper. Do you How far what? was it, you said? 725. Yeah, I remember it was a long ways. You remember what the guide said? Yeah, he goes, oh, this is going to be a fun week. This, this instills confidence. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what he said. That's what he said. He goes, well, that will instill a lot of confidence <laughs> in, the, in your guide. <laughs> in your guide. So the guide was sitting there, and we were just out looking at elk, and we, we killed that thing. And uh, anyway, we, uh, um, we did have a lot of fun that week. It was uh, fun. Um, but anyway, uh, Super fun. I hope that that helps all of you. This, this, has been, this has been a fun one, guys. Brad, Brian. Yeah. Um, I so appreciate it. And uh, listen, if you have any questions about long-range um, shooting, um, our courses, uh, other courses that you, know, you might be interested in, um, anything um, from uh, hunting, uh, outdoor adventures, any type of things, make sure you give us a call. Uh, one 605 Go check us out at rollingbones.com, just like it sounds, rollingbones.com. And uh, check out our membership. It might be for you. We'd love to help you become a part of uh, our community and service you with uh, service, access, value, and education. And uh, real quick, uh, 
subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many other locations. Leave us an honest rating and review, which will help others find this podcast. Tell us what you're thinking and what you'd like to hear. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what that is. And, uh, um, and uh, you know, just go ahead and anywhere on any of the pages on our website, there's a contact us or info. Go right to info at rollingbones.com and uh, we will get back to you. Um, so, Brian, great job. Brad, appreciate it. Bleep, as always. I think there was no fun. bleeps. I don't think I think we did I think we did a pretty good job. It's and and PG if you're from Iowa, if you're from Iowa and all you've ever done is shot a shotgun or a bow, don't become an expert after just buying a rifle system. Come to our shooting course. No, I'm teasing. That's just a little shameless plug out to Iowa. They're having a little fun with them. Hey, you guys are amazing. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, stay safe, be healthy, and happy hunting.